This is IT Visionaries, your number one source for actionable insights and exclusive interviews with CIOs, CTOs, and CISOs, and many more. I'm your host, Albert Chow, a former CIO, former sales VP, and now podcast host. You need the IT and security professionals to be well-schooled, better schooled than the attackers are. But it is everyone's problem. Security is everybody's problem. It's every person that sits in front of your computer in your organization. Everybody has to be skilled up. You might think that the cybersecurity skills gap is a problem for established tech professionals to solve. But in reality, a technical background isn't even required to join the cause. On this episode, we continue our cybersecurity series with guests Melanie DeGama, Director of Marketing at the Fortinet Training Institute, and Lynn Simons, the Senior Director of Security Awareness and Engagement at Salesforce. Here, these two cyber education advocates discuss why a cybersecurity career is possible for people with a wide range of backgrounds, interests, and skill sets. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of IT Visionaries. And today, it's our second episode in the Cybersecurity Month. Today, we have two special guests. We have Melanie DeGama and Lynn Simons. Melanie is the Director of Marketing at the Training Institute for Fortinet, and Lynn is the Senior Director for Security and Awareness and Engagement at Salesforce. Lynn, Melanie, both of you, welcome to the show. Thank you, Albert. Great to be here. Listen, let's get started right out the gate. And as we always do, just in case no one knows what's going on, <laughs> we always want you to tell us what you do at your company. What does your company do? So we'll start with Melanie. You are the director of marketing at something called the Training Institute at Fortinet. If you could, please tell us what is Fortinet? What is the Training Institute? Tell us what you're involved with. Thanks, Albert. Yeah. So Fortinet, we're one of the leaders in cybersecurity. Uh, very interesting industry, certainly in the past couple of years as cyber attacks have increased tremendously. The Training Institute is our training and certification department, or arm of the company. We've been doing this since 2016 when we established the Training Institute. We've grown to an eight-level certification program, and we focus on our partners and our customers and, and creating and reskilling and upskilling professionals in the industry. Awesome. Lynn, how about yourself? What is your role at Salesforce? I'm Senior Director of Security Awareness and Engagement, as you said, and I sit on the security team and I focus on the human aspect of security. So people are probably pretty familiar with this. We do phishing tests and all the like, but we look at, at security awareness with a broader lens at Salesforce. We are really looking at security awareness as an ecosystem issue. So we want to see users who understand how to use technology, understand security hygiene, and understand that each person has to has a role in securing um, their company's assets and their data. And so we really are focusing on who are you, how are you, in, how are you interacting with Salesforce in your daily role, and what is your responsibility as a user? So Lynn, I'm probably the person that uh, you need to influence the most <laughs> because <laughs> I'm that I'm the guy that no matter what the policy is in place. You know, back in the day when I was working at a big company, I would still have a yellow sticky pad on my computer with my computer's password. You know what I mean? I was that guy. <laughs> well, I guess you keep me employed. <laughs> but, you know, we have Fortinet, we have Salesforce. And let's talk about this. So you two work together closely. Talk about that relationship. What is it that's bringing two uh, companies together like this? One's in CRM, one's in cybersecurity. You mentioned, you mentioned Lynn, that you're stewarding this security hygiene, which is on the on the person level. 
talk to us about how the two of you and your companies have come together. I'll start with you, Lynn. Sure. Um, so some of you may know that Salesforce really is quite involved in the World Economic Forum. And a number of years ago, Mel probably knows the number of years, I don't, um, we, um, we at Fortinet and some other companies uh, were founding members of the Center for Cybersecurity for the World Economic Forum. And the way the World Economic Forum works is there's, you know, an agenda of top issues in an industry, you know, in this case, cybersecurity. And the, the group came together and determined what were some of the top issues at the time. And one of them was the cybersecurity skills gap. And members came together and decided to create an initiative in this area to provide free cybersecurity learning and um, career information to um, really globally um, so that we can address that gap. And um, our teams came together to create this incredible um, cybersecurity learning hub built on Trailhead. Awesome. And with the the previous episode we had, we had two different guests, uh, one from the Cyber Alliance and then one from the actual World Economic World Economic Forum. They were both there talking about how this skills gap, it's not just an American problem. It is, an, is a, like you mentioned, Lane, it's a global problem. And one of the things that they talked about is knowledge, awareness, authority, the fact that the industry itself is constantly changing. Mel, when you see for yourself, what are you seeing that needs to happen in order to get more, let's say, global adoption or global interest? Because this is one of those things where you would think that the people that are involved in the industry would want to run to this because the, the problem seems to be getting bigger. But there's still, like you mentioned before, there's a, I don't want to call it a lack of awareness, but certainly the awareness needs to be increased because there is a shortage of workers. Give us an idea of what's happening in, in your opinion and what, what can happen and what needs to change in order to get more people interested in these subjects. Oh, gosh, how long do we have? Uh, An hour. So I have it. Okay. <laughs> I'll keep it short then. Uh, so we ran a global skills gap survey last year. because we it, The year before we had just run, ran it in the U.S., but we really expanded it last year to be global. Uh, 80% of the organizations said they had uh, four or more cyber attacks on their organization, where a large part of those, it cost the company more than a million dollars. Wow. Right. So there's a financial component of it, but then there's people's privacy and, and PPI and everything that goes along with that. And, and you can add protecting your brand to that as well. So the problem is quite, uh, it is global. And we know that this was in all countries around the world, as many as we could reach uh, with the IT professionals. Um, we're hearing from the World Economic Forum. We're hearing from all organizations. We're hearing from governments coming together and asking organizations to help out with this problem. We work with Salesforce and the World Economic Forum. Uh, we're constantly creating content for the Cybersecurity Learning Hub to get content out there to people so that they understand what's going on, both from a professional level, but as well as awareness as well. You need the IT and security professionals to be well-schooled, better schooled than the attackers are. Yeah. So certifications and training is, is, ongoing certification and training is important there. And then as Lynn said so beautifully at the beginning, Lynn, I, I love listening to you talk all the time, but it, it is everyone's problem. Security is everybody's problem. It's every person that sits in front of your computer uh, in your organization. Everybody has to be skilled up. Um, we just launched uh, the... The, US, the White House launched a national, and I'm going to read it here because I, it's a long title, the National Cybersecurity Workforce and Education Summit. They called in professionals and organizations 
to help with cybersecurity in the K to 12 sector. So, so starting with young kids. So we're talking about professionals, we're talking about employees, and we're talking about everybody that has access to a device and access to the internet and, um, and what they could do. And we're giving away our cybersecurity service for free to the K to 12 program to help with this because we feel so strongly that this is an issue uh, for everyone around the globe. And what is, I guess, the driving force that is creating unification? Because, you know, there's a lot of things in the world where you would think that everyone would agree that this is a great idea, but we've seen that typically half the people will think it's a good idea. Half the people think it's a bad idea. But in this case, we have unification from, like you mentioned before, the private sector. So you have companies that are private companies working together. You have governments working together. And we know that everyone's interconnected nowadays anyways, right? No one uses, like, so, let's use software. No one uses software in a vacuum. Every software tool you use is also connected to something else, for sure. Mm-hmm. Like, it's all connected. Everything's interconnected. What is creating this, I guess, unificate? It, it almost feels like a unified front of multiple entities coming together to say that this is needed and putting their investment towards it. Lynn, I didn't know if, you know, is this is it simply because it affects everybody the same or it affects everybody everyone's scared? What do you think is creating this unity towards this effort? Well, I mean, I think like a lot of these kind of complex global issues, there are many layers to peel on this onion that we can talk about. But I think I think in my mind, the attacks are getting more pervasive, complex. The threats are real. We talk about things like the electric grid. We talk about how much, you know, we think about how much the internet, you know, is really running our lives at this point. We have some, we've had major world crises in the last couple of years that have brought us all together to think about how can we respond. We had workers going remote. I mean, our security team, you can only imagine what it was like um, for us to get those users, you know, safely working from home. We have major international crises uh, in parts of the world. So I think what's heavy on our minds, what, the thing that I'm thinking about is that in order to address that and address the sophistication of the current hackers that are out there. Mm -hmm. um, How do we bring forth the right resources to address that? So the skills gap is one piece of that, right? So we have the issue that we need, we need young people to be educated to come into the field. We need people throughout the industry now who can be part of creating that front or that, you know, those healthy security teams that can address these issues, right? So, you know, Mel's company is doing some things to really get that in motion. You know, but one of the things that I think is particularly interesting here that we talk a lot about at Salesforce is our security team has grown exponentially since I've been there. Mm. Been at Salesforce for about nine years. I mean, it is pretty stunning how many people we've brought on. But what we're realizing is we need a diverse set of skills to address the problems now. So the more that we have thinkers, so I'm not a tech person. I didn't grow up in tech. I was. I have a law degree. I'm a liberal arts major. Um, I've been in business for my career. I was in a researcher. And these are skills that, that I think security teams are realizing are really critical to being able to come together to address threats. So for example, just the, uh, the if you think about communications, really simple. All companies have it, but are they really applying those communication skills to their security department, right? So we need communications, if there is any kind of security incident, we have to be able to, you know, talk to our customers in a way that's that's transparent, that, you know, is speedy. Um, but we also have to communicate to our employees. We have to explain to them what their roles are. We need to, in a crisis, if that happens, we need to be able to communicate with them, have those channels set up. And you need people who are expert in those fields. We want our security engineers working on security. 
right? We also need, you know, complex project management. You know, Fortinet may be the same, but people probably know that Salesforce has acquired quite a few companies in recent years, right? So, um, you know, we need to be able to bring those employees in, in those diverse perspectives and be able to do that work. And that takes people who have different backgrounds than engineering. So like in some ways, like I see this whole conversation we're having is not a doom and gloom security conversation. It's this yeah. like really important moment where we're opening our eyes to what it really takes globally. Because I think your real question was, why is everybody coming together? Because we we have these things out there and we're all also really realizing what it takes um, to have a good cybersecurity program. So I'll stop there because this, I, I could talk about this all day, um, but it's really, really interesting when you start to think about what really makes a good security team. I like the way you frame that, which is, this is one of the few things that I guess, you know, I mentioned earlier, a lot of times if there's any issue, like half the people will be for it, half the people will be against it. But in this case, everyone, like you said, is, I don't know, at the mer- <laughs> or can, can potentially be a victim, can potentially be at the uh, the victim of an attack. And so therefore, if there's not enough skill around the world to support what you need to get done, that's where the investments need to be. The pandemic created a, a perfect storm for this um, and for, for cyber criminals to, to kind of accelerate their skills. And we're constantly having to keep up with it. When we interview our customers and, and partners um, for their, when they achieve new certification levels and what they're doing within their organizations, they're constantly talking about how evolved that the hackers are and how they have to keep up on top of things, how they have to work together. And that's not an easy task, and it, but it has to be done in order to, to keep going and to, to protect the networks. And certainly the pandemic and everybody with remote work, as Lynn said, it created a new world for us and we had to rise to the challenge and we did. I'll just give you a little story. Um, when the, I had just started at Fortinet when the pandemic hit in, and it was early 2020. And um, organizations were all standing up and doing something for our global community. I remember getting emails at the New York Times. The New York Times was going to give their subscriptions away for $1 so that people had access to good information about the pandemic and what was going on. Mm. Local grocery stores were putting more deliveries on. Um, Just every organization that I received an email from was starting to do something. So we had a conversation at Fortinet and our training institute. And we're like, gosh, what could, what could we do? And we're like, well, maybe we could give away the self-paced training for free. Like we'll just open up all 30 some courses and just give it away for free for the year so that those that need information, and this was awareness training and professional training could get it. And we, and we're like, okay, well, that's something we can do. No idea how that was going to fly. None. And it just, I still, the hair on my arms is standing up. It's still like, is very impactful that in our, at our peak within a few weeks, we had the equivalent of a registration for a cybersecurity course every seven seconds for that week. Mm. The need was there. We haven't closed down the program because we're like, well, you know what? The need is there. Let's just keep it, keep it going. And, and so it is today still. Oh yeah. So, you know, that sounds intense, right? Someone signing up every seven seconds intense. and that's just yes. you. And that's just, and that's just at Fortinet's training. There's other training, of course, out there. One company. Yeah. So, but then it, then it, when I hear that, it sounds like the skills gap is going to get shrunk quite quickly, right? <laughs> like one person every seven <laughs> seconds is being trained on this. What is the biggest struggle right now, I guess, in recruiting even more people? Because, you know, I, I recognize that one every seven seconds, it sounds like you would, you hear that and you think, oh, there's going to be plenty of people that are skilled, um, you know, 
trained up in these skills that are going to enter this field. That's we know that's not the case. What currently is, I guess, a barrier or what are some of the barriers that are preventing, I guess, enough people from getting trained up in this skill so they can be a contributing member of the cybersecurity community? Well, Lynn and I were talking about this last week and, and how do we solve this? So the good news is it has gone down in from last year to this year and we're still waiting for the new numbers to come out. So hopefully it went down again a little bit. Uh, it's not fast though. It's a dynamic industry as any others. But diversity, as we've talked about, Lynn, is is the key to this. You have to go out to all, all people and all populations to find these security experts who, who have the innate skills, who have those soft skills, um, and then can get trained up on the profession as well. You know, I was pretty open to my career being a journey. You know, that was the way I was raised. But I think for most people, it's like security. I don't belong there. It's it's a bunch of technical people. You know, it's people who have these degrees. And I think one of the huge barriers is just helping people understand that there's this need I was talking about earlier to have really different sets of perspectives. Now, there's two kind of pieces to this. One is what I was saying earlier, which is organizationally for companies to address cybersecurity issues, they need to have these different skills on board, right? But also when you think about the hackers themselves, so hackers come in all shapes and sizes from all countries. You hear about these famous hackers who are 14, right? Oh yeah. In some other country, they speak different languages. Um, they have different so socioeconomic factors. So if you think about it, the act of hacking itself is based on the thinking and creativity of human beings who come from different backgrounds. So if we are not matching our organizations and having those type of thinkers on board, you know, Salesforce is a huge proponent of equality and bringing in different, you know, making our inside match our outside, as the way, the way we say it, like that, what, who's on the street in our community? Well, those are the people who should be working in our company because then we can best serve our customers, right? Um, it's the same thing here. Like, you know, we, we need all sorts of people. But the question is, how do we even access this talent? How do we help this talent understand that this is an opportunity for them? And I think that's really the, the big, big barrier. I think getting people into job roles, you know, you can hire all day long, but yeah. it's, can you get the right people? And, you know, more and more as a hire, I hire a lot of people, you know, more and more as a manager, I am looking for people who have certain qualities as well as skills. You know, do they have, can they demonstrate grit? Can they demonstrate that they're going to like really figure things out on their own. And, you know, I hate the phrase think outside the box, but I just used it, um, that can really think differently and think, are there alternative ways to solve this problem? You know, and I think that's, it's, it's not, so it's getting the people, but it's getting the right people who can, can really address these issues we're facing. And there's so many reports, Lynn, like you said, so many reports that support diversity with high-performing teams, what it means. I read, I read one. It was CIO Magazine, I think, lately. And they, the, we all know that you know better access to talent, more talent, but also higher levels of engagement and trust within the team, and better decision making because you have this diverse crowd. So, it, just supporting what you're saying right there on diversity, and we need to. It's a numbers game as well, right? We need to go out to all these populations. We need to be talking to people with the right skills and not worrying. Um, I had had a conversation before too about how sometimes location was a barrier in hiring because we had these hubs 
or offices where we wanted people to be located and asking people to relocate, the answer isn't always yes, or they don't want to, or they have commitments or whatever it might be. With the pandemic, it brought, it kind of equalized that. And we were able to hire from anywhere because everybody was in the same boat. They were all at home. So that was a game changer as well that I hope really stays within the industry that maybe we don't always have to be in the office all the time. And you can reach out to different locations for your people than just where your head office is or where you have offices. The stories you two are telling right now remind me of two, one episode and one notorious criminal coming together. So we had an episode with the CEO of Iron Scales, and it's like an email phishing cybersecurity software. It was designed to figure out like, hey, is this person actually the person you think it is? It's pretty fascinating. He was explaining to us kind of what you were saying just a moment ago, Lynn, is that cybersecurity isn't just a technical problem. It's a people problem. And they were talking about the new crime is you basically you have a, you, let's, you got a huge company, right? Like you said, everyone's working at this company, but you don't need to t- hack the database. They were talking about you need to compromise a single individual and you can be inside the network at all times. And uh, there was a notorious case of this influencer. He went by Hush Puppy. I've mentioned him before on the show. Hush Puppy. You can read up on the case, but he was able, he and his crew were able to steal millions and millions of dollars because they were inside of company networks and they would do things like uh, act as, for example, I handled the payments for mission and in between mission and some of our clients and they would act as me, ask for an account update or an account number change. The vendors, none the wiser, they pay the deposit. Boom, this person's gone. And it was showing how cybersecurity, even what he was saying is like, as technology keeps going up, kind of like what you guys, you two just said, it's not just a technology problem. It's not just a technology problem. It's not just, oh, if we figure out a way to block DDoS attacks, we're safe. It's a people problem, meaning it's the technology and the people have to be trained up. For yourselves, you know, there's this there's constant race of, uh, I, I guess, race of technology and trust, meaning like, People keep trying to make better and better tools to create better identity access management and create trust. So like, you know, with 2FA authenticators, you know, there used to be RSA tokens. Do you see that as a constant thing? Like as technology advances, people even need more training because you can become susceptible to trust because now it's like, oh, well, you have a 2FA, you have, we have all these things, we have Fortnite, we have sales, we got all this stuff installed at our company. I got to trust Lynn who's emailing me and saying, hey, can you update the account number? I'm like, yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this has been, I mean, Cybersecurity Awareness Month, so, yep. you know, I know I roll from all the people who are in the security field who are listening to this podcast, but, you know, this is a great time for, uh, I mean, Cybersecurity Awareness Month should be 12 months a year, right? But, um, <laughs> you know, it's, Look, I, I work with some incredible engineers, incredible engineers, some of the you know major talent here. Sure. At the end of the day, as somebody who leads this kind of function at my company, um, I am thinking about every day how I can get back to key skills for individuals. And you know, yes, we need to train them how to use the authenticator, but th- that's getting easier and easier. We have. We prioritize that in, on our security team. How can we make security easy? But at the end of the day, it comes down to what we call, I've, I've heard called bugs in human hardware, <laughs> which I love <laughs> that phrase. I don't own that phrase. Um, but, um, you know, we are human beings and that is why these things happen. We get afraid. We get curious. Uh, we were caught off guard. We're caught off guard. We're in a, we're in a rush. We have mm-hmm. like 12 windows open on our, mm-hmm. our laptops and we just, you know, and, you know, executives make mistakes 
believe it or not, everybody makes mistakes, especially particularly in these social engineering type of attacks. Um, so as somebody who does this every day with employees, we what we're trying to teach them are concepts. So we'll teach them concepts around understanding who I am, you know, um, we'll talk about, you know, we use mindfulness, you know, we're Salesforce, we get into that kind of woo woo stuff, right? We tell people we need to use mindfulness, we need to slow down, we need to, we teach them really simple concepts like least privilege, um, defense in depth, so that they have an understanding because the reality is we can't train them on everything. I mean, I've really realized that our annual security training, we always get to this point where it's so long, because every department wants all their stuff in there. But, you know, really, we really want to have this conceptual basis that we're teaching people so that they can make smart decisions in their day, right? So I'm a Salesforce employee. I need to be worried about these five things. I do use MFA. MFA. I need to care about, like, when I badge in, if I go to the office, or when I log in, I, whatever. But... If I'm an engineer, I'm somebody on the finance team, I need to be thinking critically. So it's really critical thinking around what is coming into my inbox, who's calling me on the phone, you know, putting up our, what our, our prior CISO we had on our team used to say, use your spidey senses, people, you know, um, you've got to have that. That's really the skill that I think is most important to bring to people in order to, to make these decisions because we can't train them on everything. We will continue to try to, but we also have to teach them these fundamental skills of critical thinking or like know where you are, know your place in space is what a really good friend of mine says. You're walking down the street and you have to be aware, right? Where are you holding your backpack tightly? Are you looking around? Is it dark? Are you in an alley? That kind of thing. It's the same thing, you know, for a human who's using a phone or a computer. Absolutely. We say to, you said, I, I love that. I'm going to repeat it this week and, and maybe all month, Lynn, but it should be 12 months a year. Absolutely. And when you look at services that really do a good job, the awareness component is just as important as the training because you hear the one and done, you know, you take mm -hmm. a training in January and you're good for the year. Well, guess what? You're <laughs> not, you know, everything evolves. There's new attacks every week, all the time, and it's always changing. So that where, awareness component, like reminders to your employees, educating them on, on certain attacks that are happening, making sure you're reinforcing the phishing is so important as well. Cause you're always testing them. I got, I hate to, should I admit this, that I got caught? Like it hasn't, no, it's, it's been a while, but I, <laughs> I got caught in my company phishing testing and uh, boom, that screen came up and they said they got you. And guess what? Like I had someone on the phone and I was doing something else and something kept popping up on my screen and I hit it and oh, there you go. I didn't hover over my link. I didn't check the email to make sure it was from inside the company. It was really who they said it is. Was there spelling mistakes in the email? I didn't do all those things because I was too busy. Just as Lynn said, we're busy all day. We're multitasking all the time. So I got caught, but, but I learned and I don't think I've been caught since then. And I've seen them and I re you report them in and then you're able to, to train. So it's that constant checking in with your employees and keeping them up to date. Like you said, making sure they're on their toes. I've heard the term human firewall before. Love it. I consider <laughs> myself a human firewall now, you know, after being schooled. Shame. <laughs> yeah, I really like to try to make it fun. I, I, you know, we're people at work, but we're also people at home, right? Sure. So that same person, if they're educated, can educate their children. They can tell their husband to stop reusing passwords. You know, hey, husband, stop reusing passwords. Um, <laughs> 
Uh, or partners. Don't write them on uh, sticky notes and things like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What? You don't don't look at my laptop circa 19, you know, 2015. Don't look at my laptop. It was not good. Right. <laughs> right. I was talking to the executive director of the National Cybersecurity Alliance. Um, they are uh, out of Washington, D.C., and they they have this, the Stop, Think, Connect, and StaySafeOnline.org, I believe is the, and, and they were talking about some initiatives they're doing with um, historically Black colleges and universities, um, and really getting down to the work of helping people, they're, do, they're working on, this is a security organization, helping individuals with interviewing skills who are interested in this field helping people really understand how their own devices are working. And this enables them to get into the field because these are actual, the real barriers on the ground that people are facing. You know, maybe we find a young, really smart person, in an, you know, who wants to get in this field, but they can't really admit that they don't even know how to set security settings on their own laptop. Yeah. So there are organizations who are really doing this, really thinking about this problem down to the, the person to person level. You know, one of the things when we when we read about business cases or case stories, you always hear about just people that are not super involved in the business coming up with some of the biggest solutions to the or biggest opportunities for companies. I didn't know. Have you heard of stories like this in the realm of cybersecurity where, you know, someone because it, you know, I think when we sit back, you kind of, you know, Lynn Mel, you guys both talked about this. Like, you know, if you were a casual listener and you don't know too much about cybersecurity, you might just be thinking, oh, well, it's a, it's got to be an engineer or a technical person who's coming up with these solutions. But you have identified that you need a diverse skill set, different thinkers, all different types of people that come up with the solutions because it's a people problem and it's a technical problem. Do you have any case studies or examples or stories of people that have come up with solutions that have helped businesses or helped their organization, helped governments that maybe came from a, you know, a, a person with a background that would have surprised many, I guess, you know, a non-typical engineering background. Do you have any examples of that? Yeah, I mean, I've seen some really interesting, I mean, one particular um, place is um, military personnel who are coming in with a different perspective. We, we really have a focus at Salesforce on um, helping veterans reskill and rejob. Um, but we're seeing professionals come in that way. But one of the really interesting ones, just personally on my own team that I hired, was a woman who actually was working in a nonprofit for women who'd been physically abused. Wow. Which I think is super interesting. She was really one of the builders of the way we do security culture um, at Salesforce with the idea of building communities of interest within our company around the topic of security. So it was like, how do we bring in engineering teams who we know need to be using secure coding practices, for example, but bring them together as a community of like-minded people who, you know, we have to meet people where they are, right? Who have different interests. So we would do, you know, we'd have a trivia night or we'd have a, you know, we would bring the people together in a different way. So she really, I think, had just this incredible impact. If you're out there, Cassie, um, had an incredible impact in the way that we think about doing security. The other one I think that's interesting is change management professionals, because you know there are a lot of people out there who are focusing on change management in business. And um, we brought in somebody who had had that background, because this is just another form of change management. You introduce a new technology to your users, 
And we need to be using kind of the tried and true methodology for how to how to affect change in an organization. So, you know, that one isn't as sexy, but it's really incredibly essential. The thing that that I'm remembering from that, Lynn, just talking again when we're interviewing our our customers and, and partners is the many roads there are into cybersecurity. No one story I've heard is exactly the same. They're coming from different industries or they're taking different career paths. Uh, We had one individual who had no degrees or diplomas and just certifications, every certification he can get, that's what he did. And that's how he grew his career to VP status. Um, So there is, and our organization says it all, all the time, there is no one road. There's marketing positions in cybersecurity. There's finance positions in cybersecurity. There's all those roles in cybersecurity as well. So whether you're technical or not, there's a position for you and you should consider cybersecurity. It shouldn't be a deterrent. It should be something that's very exciting for you because it's certainly an important industry for us today. And we talk about looking for that education wherever you do look for it. If you go back to school, if you look at certifications, however you want to attain it, if you're going to the cybersecurity learning hub, where we all contribute our content just to get that free information and uh, that education and learn about career pathing, you can reskill, you can upskill, or you can acquire a new skill. And those are all different ways to, to manage your own career path and get to where you want to go. And you should never stop doing that because that, you know, that that's how we grow and learn and, and acquire new skills and are able to contribute and come up with these ideas, Albert, that change people's lives and, and, you know, make a difference in the industry. No, that is absolutely true. This has been a great conversation, understanding and learning about what is happening in the industry, how you and your teams are building up more people to be interested in upskilling in this. You know, I've got to know because it's been happening for a little bit. Lynn, how fast or what is the pace of acceleration of this adoption? Because, you know, we talked about from the very beginning that there were, you know, on Melanie's side, there were seven, you know, a sign up every seven seconds. But what, what are you seeing on your side? What are you seeing in regards to the demand, the success, how much throughput, who's coming in? I'd love to hear and understand like where we are today and, you know, of course, in your perspective, where we need to go. Gosh, wow. We are so excited. We have had over 700,000 modules completed on the Cybersecurity Learning Hub. And what's super cool is just in the last couple of months, we have seen these massive increases mm. in the completion of certain modules. And- some of that has to do with some of our secure, our Salesforce trailblazers just getting really interested in content around Dreamforce, but that's really not the only reason. I, we are putting out content that is what people are thinking about today. You know, cybersecurity principles for leaders, cybersecurity for mobile, you know, um, cyber resilience during COVID-19 and other world crises. Um, and, you know, people, people want to learn, right? So I think that's really exciting. One of the things that also we're trying to do is get is localized content because you know salesforce and fortinet they're i believe fortinet is also based in the united states Mm -hmm. um, or an english-speaking country um we need to be if we're gonna we gotta like walk the walk here right we've gotta we gotta put out content in other languages so that people can consume the the content and understand it so we're focusing on seven languages right now and you know i think we have we have a few um, that are are localized and we have more coming um, every few months. So we're super excited about that. Mel, how about you? What are are some of the, any benchmarks or milestones to kind of help us understand how, you know, you mentioned before the peak of the pandemic, seven per second, but how about on the success side, how much success are you starting to see now? 
We just announced that we've surpassed a million certifications issued to date. A million. A million. Okay. Yes, we were, that's a milestone we were proud of. Um, <laughs> when we went back and looked at the numbers, half of those happened in the last two years. So if wow. that's not an indicator for the need for training and information, I don't know what is. And we're, we're set to, so if we keep on track, it will happen again a lot more sooner than it did this first time. And I'd like to say some, when we help out with content on the Cybersecurity Learning Hub, that's based on our certification and training. So we share that content with Salesforce. We help create that content. We're constantly thinking of new ideas and, and ways that we can contribute as well and help build. The, the team there does an incredible job. But we're also very, very happy about what we're doing on the certification side. And, and you mentioned translation as well for, for our security awareness and training service. Translation is key. It's all about the people, Lynn, you're right, and reaching those individuals in a language um, on the awareness side where, where you're able to understand and, and share that and communicate it. So very happy and, and agree. Translations and, and training and certification, education, free education like we're doing with both our organizations and the cybersecurity hub, that's, that's key to what we're doing in trying to solve this, this skills gap problem. No, that is awesome. Well, Melanie, Lynn, for listeners who heard this conversation and want to get more in, or are interested or want to get training upskilled, reskilled, or you just want to just find out what's going on, check out Cybersecurity Learning Hub. We'll have the link in the show notes below so you can check that out. You can also find some courses at Trailhead. We'll also have that linked up in the show notes as well for you to, to explore and check out what courses are available. Lynn, Melanie, I want to say thank you for joining us today and sharing your perspective of what's happening in the realm of cybersecurity and the demand and what is happening and what your part in upskilling individuals. But before you go, I want to say it is time for the lightning round. The lightning round is brought to us by Salesforce Platform, the number one cloud platform for digital transformation of every experience. Lynn, Melanie, this is where we ask you questions outside of the realm of work, a little bit tied to work. It's okay. So our audience can get to know you a little bit better. Are you ready? So ready. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to theme this to cybersecurity. Okay, well, let's find out. Do you, and you both got to answer, do you have individual passwords for every account and service you use, or do you kind of reuse the same one? I do not reuse passwords. <laughs> I do not. <laughs> Good. <laughs> I do not either. You do not reuse No. <laughs> That's a no-no, Albert. No. Hey, listen, we the guy, the gentleman we had just an episode ago said yes. <laughs> he did. He oh, was no. guilty. Give me, their, give me their number, man. God. No, my, I will even like be a total show off. Like I really try to get. Well, now I'm inviting the hackers. Never mind. Yeah, don't but don't I, give no. too much information. <laughs> no, don't be like the LifeLock guy. Don't be like the LifeLock. Guy. Remember exactly. LifeLock? No one yeah. can take my identity. Here's my social security number. Next thing you know, yeah. someone took it. Let's just say password managers are your friend. Password manager is our friend. Good tip. Good tip. So that's a great question. For password managers, which ones are your favorite? Which one do you like to use? I like to use LastPass. How about you, Mel? Yes. Oh, you use it too? Both LastPassers? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, yeah. All right. I'm hearing some of those like teenagers, 20 year olds are using Dashlane. I don't know. Maybe that's just in my circle, but. <laughs> I got a teenager. I don't know what he's doing. <laughs> I, I did my research and I stuck with one. <laughs> <laughs> when it comes to password managers and password requirements, and this is a more personal question. How annoying do you find it when they, when they offer you like, hey, eight, eight letters, one 
uh, you know, special character numbers, lowercase. Do you are you both annoyed by that or do you let the your password manager figure out a qualified password? I'm not annoyed with it. I'm annoyed when there's one, one when I go and create one password and they have a different set of rules. So then you can't use a, a symbol or anything or you can't, you know, and I'm like, well, wait a minute. I, you know, again, I'm trying not to give away my secrets on how I create my passwords. But yeah, when one one organization goes off the grid and doesn't require all of that, it kind of messes with what I'm my process. <laughs> yeah. No, I am all about those auto-generated, but like, man, it can really bite you in the butt, like in an airport or like you're trying to like yeah. get to your boarding pass and then like you, your phone reset and you're like, oh my God. And you have to make sure that, you know, you have LastPass open or whatever, but. Yeah, I, I fell, I fell victim to that <laughs> once as I was like, I accepted the the suggestion, but for some reason I didn't like save it. I somehow didn't save it or didn't sync to my devices. And so. I was like, I had to hit the password reset. I guess that's another question. Do you recommend or don't recommend syncing your browser? Because a lot of people store their passwords in their browser and then they, you know how they sync their account, like, you know, on Chrome or Edge, you can sync your browser across devices. Do you recommend syncing your browser or should you not sync your browser for passwords? Pro tip. What do you think? I'm not going to state an official opinion, but I don't do that. I mean, that's, <laughs> but that, that doesn't mean, I mean, like I said, liberal arts major in security. <laughs> so. <laughs> All right. Now I got to ask, do you both harp on your family members to have good password security hygiene? Family members, friends, friends, children, <laughs> my, my child, our parents, my parents-in-law, you name it. it. Even if we're sitting having wine and the topic is remotely close to it, I, I'm in there reminding people because I've also heard too many stories from friends about something gone wrong because it could happen so quickly. So That's yeah, true. I'm that annoying person, but I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually particularly annoying when I go to my kids' schools and I'm like, hey, do you need somebody to come in and take a look at your security hygiene? Can I come and talk? <laughs> you know, I, I am all over it. My kids think I'm super annoying and embarrassing, but that's like par for the course. I make comments to my... Uh, like, for example, to my in-laws, I'll say things like, oh, you must want to get your, all your money stolen. <laughs> I frame it as the problem first. And then I say, oh, you should. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I like to sometimes I because they know I'm in the security field. I'll do things that are sort of like, well, did you know, you know, dad and I can actually see all that. We have a way, you know, <laughs> just so you know. That's good. I told my son the same thing. I'm watching every movie you make. Mm -hmm. Don't mess around. <laughs> But everything on the internet lasts forever is the mantra of my house. Yes. Absolutely does. Well, Lynn, Melanie, it was awesome having you on the show. Thanks for sharing all the work that you're doing to advance cybersecurity knowledge. Once again, for those who are listening this far, check the notes below, Cybersecurity Learning Hub, as well as Trailhead. We'll link both of, uh, both of those links up in the show notes so anyone out there can go check out and learn for themselves and see what's going on in the world of cybersecurity. Lynn, Melanie, thanks for joining us today on IT Visionaries. Thank you. Thank you, Albert.